Hello, welcome to the Inside Scoop, everything you need to know for your student to succeed in the Cobb County School District. I'm David Owen. Today's episode is Back to School, Everything You Need to Know for Day One in High School. I'm joined by Christian Suttle, one of Cobb's two assistant superintendents over high schools. Thanks for being here, Christian. Hey, not a problem. Cobb County has some 16 high schools. Ballpark figure, about how many students does that represent? Ooh, I mean, it could range. Our, I think our smallest high school runs somewhere around uh, 1,500 students, plus or minus, and our largest high schools could run upwards of 3,800 students and, you know, wow. over so that's, 16, yeah. That's Do not a math. quick math kind of thing, <laughs> yeah. no. <laughs> All right. A lot of students, no doubt. Um we are doing this podcast in preparation for uh, day one. Do do high schools slow down during the summer much? Not really. You know, we think of our high schools as being a community hub for uh, activities. Mm-hmm. So you'll have activities that range from uh, sports uh, events that are practicing in the summer to yeah. um, community uh, events like plays and um some schools are even used as churches and, you know, our local um, community members will come in and use the building for various reasons. So it's constantly got something going on. Oh, and, almost 24-7. Wow. Well, uh, well, the life of a principal is not an easy one. I know that. And especially when it escalates to the point of high schools. And, and that's one of the reasons that we're speaking with you instead of high school principals is because, doggone it, they are just up to their eyeballs with trying to get ready for day one. Yeah, that's and, true. And you've been a principal. Mm-hmm. And, At Hillgrove and, High School. And uh, so you you go through uh, uh, helping uh, principal. You've been through the growing pains. You've been through the startup stuff for day one. And you, I'm sure, currently are in conversation with all your principals in getting things ready. Yeah, of course. Okay. So when it comes to high school, are, are there any um, – are there any things about registration or, or preparing for day one from that angle that a parent might need to know? Yeah. Um, you know, the big thing is, is that if your student is a returning student, then um, a lot of the registration was done in the spring. And uh, those courses were selected with the student and possibly the parent was assisting as well, as well as teachers and counselors in the spring and then um, on the first day of school, they'll get that schedule that they worked on. Mm-hmm. And depending the school and depending on the classes, um, they'll have exactly what they want. And then in some situations, they'll have something very close to the choices that they wanted as well. Um, during that first um, couple of days of school, they'll have an opportunity to uh, level off their classes and speak with their counselors if there's any um, mishaps, if they're a returning student. Mm-hmm. If they're a brand new student to the school, they are going to have to schedule an appointment to meet with a counselor and uh, schedule classes. And a lot of that has to do with where the student is coming from, if it's inside the district or if it's outside of the district, then there's a lot of paperwork that they're going to need as far as transcripts um, to make sure that they're getting the right classes for that student. To be able to make sure we pick up where the other school district left off. That's correct. And we have schools in our district that are both uh, traditional schedules, like a seven-period day, and we have some that are a 
block schedule and non-traditional schedule. So okay, if you're yeah. coming in from yeah. one or the other, it could be a little confusing yeah, as can well. You, yeah. Can you clarify that? I mean, I've had people ask me the difference, and quite frankly, I'm I'm not up to speed on that sort of thing. And probably a lot of our listeners are in the same same situation. Can you explain the difference between traditional and block scheduling? So the majority of us went to school for high school um, where we had uh, multiple um, classes during the day. So let's say six classes during the day that covered English, science, math, um, a social science, and then some elective courses that you chose depending on, you know, whatever you Mm -hmm. picked. Uh, Each one of those classes was about 45 minutes long to 55 minutes long. Uh, You throw in a lunch period. Uh, Like I said, those elective periods could be if you were uh, in chorus or in um, band or orchestra, Mm -hmm. as well as culinary class. Um, All those are thrown in, and those classes also run about 45, 55 minutes as well. Uh, That's traditional schedule. Mm -hmm. Here recently, we have moved to a block schedule, which is um, the students will have four periods in the day. Out of those four periods, they will have three to four, you know, classes. Uh, those classes are going to be their core classes again, math, science, social studies, uh, English, um, as well as elective courses that are mixed in as well. But they're spread out over two semesters. So traditional setting, you're taking those seven, six classes all throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Part A and part B of those classes. Okay. Same thing for a block schedule. You're going to take, let's say, English first semester Mm -hmm. and first semester only. Once you complete that class for English, then you won't have another English class until the next year. Okay. Unless you're doubling up and you take some students take uh, a math class first semester and a different math class the second semester. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, uh, you know, they could take a continuation of a an elective course, i.e. take band or Spanish one, and then they could take band or Spanish two the next semester. Okay. But a lot of that depends upon the school and what's being offered at the time. Uh, and the classes are not 45 to 55 minutes long uh, for a block schedule. You know, the students are going to be sitting in class a much longer period because it's all going to be compressed over um, a one semester period. It's more, uh, like taking a college course for many of the parents that are out there who went through a traditional high school setting, mm-hmm. then went on to secondary school, like high, um, to college. Um, and then they took, you know, a class for an hour and 30 minutes. Wow. So those classes are a little bit longer during the day. And, um, you know, the principals work with community leaders like their PTSA, their school council, their interior school um, leaders to make the best decisions for those students in that particular community um, within Cobb County mm-hmm. if we're going to run a block schedule or a traditional schedule. But they both are very highly effective, and there's no fall off in academic time on either way. Now, you mentioned uh, people coming in from out of district mm-hmm. uh, being advised to get with a counselor. I do recall I've had uh, three of my kids uh, go through high school. Now, I do recall that uh, we were returning, and like you said, in the springtime, we had uh, an open house kind of setting, but it was a sit-down with counselors and, and I think, department heads to go over what was deemed a graduation plan. Is that the gist of what the 
the counselor would do with these students? Yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. Many of our students who are moving from eighth grade from a feeder school into the high school, mm-hmm. um, there had they had that opportunity with a counselor, their middle school counselor, and the high school counselor and administrator would come over and meet with them. If you're a brand new student to the district, either starting off as a ninth grader, um, you'll have that opportunity to start looking at classes with the counselor and your parent to go ahead and set you on that course. Once you become a member of the school in the spring, they'll have an opportunity to go over that career path or that course path as well. Many schools do it again the following year, and then many schools do it again their junior year just as a check. That's awesome. And and the worst scenario is finding some some poor student who gets to that last semester and then realizes, uh-oh, I've, I'm short of class time or, or class credits to be able to graduate. Uh, have you ever had to have that tough conversation with somebody? Yeah, and that's a conversation you don't want to get yourself um, <laughs> into for sure. And we speak with our counselors and we yeah. speak with our advisors in school um, about really staying on to our students. But, you know, it takes help from the parent as well. Um, you know, when we're looking at these classes, definitely not a conversation or a situation you want to get into. But uh, typically we don't run into those problems because m- the every high school that we have in Cobb County has parameters in place where they're doing checks along the way. Where it can happen more times than not is when we have a student that comes in from an outside um, district mm-hmm. and they maybe have some gaps, you know, for graduation requirements for Cobb County. Right. So then we have to start looking at exactly what we need to do to get that student on pace to make sure that they graduate on their uh, respective time. I've heard of uh, some students even taking courses on, uh, I think it's called Cobb Virtual Academy. Yes. A yes. Digital so they're version. taking their normal course load during the day mm-hmm. and then in the evenings or when they have other free times, they're working on their Cobb virtual courses as well. But once again, that's something that would need to be discussed with the student, the student's parent, the counselor, and of course, an administrator would be involved as well to make sure that that's the right course of action for that student. Um, Because sometimes it may not be available depending on the classes that they're taking. Any parents that find that their student is perhaps lacking or or slightly behind in credits to be able to graduate on time, they've got the option of being able to go to summer school or or Cobb Virtual Academy or or some other means perhaps to catch up in the meantime to make sure that when that opportunity to walk across the stage comes that that student's ready. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's there's a list of opportunities that a student has to make up credit to uh, help them through their academic journey here in Cobb County. And some of it's in a traditional setting, like at a local high school, and some of it is not. Okay, well, let's let's turn our attention more toward day one. What are some of the challenges that students incur that principals would like the parents to know so that their students can be more successful on that first day? Yeah, fatigue. <laughs> you know, our students. Literal fatigue? Literal fatigue. Okay. Um, and, you know, here's the deal. Our teachers and administrators are back earlier than the students. They're in the building. They're getting their days, you know, together and used to being in the building on their feet uh-huh. and operating their classrooms, you know, for more than a week or so before our students come back. 
Our students, many of them are in summer routines where they're staying up late. <laughs> they're uh, enjoying a little bit of uh, TV time and video game time late into the evening. And they're going to be fatigued on that first day if they haven't started to set a routine of getting a proper amount of rest before coming into that first day of school. Have you been listening in at my house? Because these are the conversations <laughs> I have with my, my high schooler. I think these are the same conversations that many of us have with our high schoolers as well. I have three high schoolers in the district as well, and we've already had the talk that, hey, guys, we're going to have a week of getting ourselves together for that first you know day of school. And the great thing is, is that our district is set up where we're going to be in school for two days. So parents, you know, we're going to come in for Thursday, Friday, get their legs under them, teachers legs under them. And then we get the weekend to kind of, <laughs> kind of recover, just, recover a little bit. just a little bit. And then we'll start it up heavy again on that following Monday. That actually is. I don't know if that was by design. But oh, that's, I'm, uh, I'm giving it all to Mr. Ragsdale okay, right there. Mr. I think Ragsdale, that was your design. Genius. That was awesome. Good move. Good move. <laughs> One of the things about high school is that it gives our students a chance to receive more freedom and therefore more responsibilities. And one area that drives, well, at least one parent and this parent uh, a little crazy is the meals side of mm-hmm. things. Now, I know that they've got a lot of high schools have, it's almost like a food court, Yeah, the way things are laid out. You could say that. Is there anything unique about that that parents could educate their students on before they hit that food court? So, you know, I think it starts in our middle schools and many of our middle schools do a great job of uh, providing a little bit more freedoms to our eighth grade students before they come into high school. So with that being said, they start to experience that a little bit more. But lunch is a big social experiment, let's say, in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is set up where it's a lot more a la carte. So they can go through a traditional line like they did in middle and elementary school Mm -hmm. and receive, you know, uh, uh, portioned vegetables, fruits, and a meal, just like they did in the lower grades. Okay. But they can also go up and pick um, an a la carte meal, which is like a salad to go Uh or um, a hamburger and a side of fries. Um, They can pick um, ice cream which they could at the elementary and middle schools as well, but you can walk up and have four scoops of ice cream if you'd like. So it's important for our parents to know that they are going to have a lot more freedoms when they're coming into high school with the choices that they're making for lunch. Um, I think it's good preparation for them moving on into adulthood as well. Mm-hmm. Um, portion control is important. So have those conversations at home. Four scoops of ice cream. Four is scoops por- <laughs> of ice cream instead of having, you know, a, a good, you know, Meal before then yeah. is probably not the best idea, um, but those opportunities are available to them. Many of our many of our parents take advantage of our uh, pay before going into lunch program, and that gives them an opportunity to monitor the monies that are being spent on lunch. Oh yeah, so we, they'll have an opportunity to see that a little bit down the line. And that's as well. an online uh, app on your phone kind of thing. Right? Yes, it is yeah. an online and. Um, They'll be able to see if they're spending, you know, $20 a day for lunch. <laughs> on ice cream. On ice cream. Or, you know, my my uh, my own children, they take advantage and have sometimes two subs, uh-huh. growing young men, you know, playing sports. and But that's a good thing. But maybe a third sub is bad. <laughs> maybe four <laughs> scoops of ice cream is bad. 
Uh, but having those conversations at home about, hey, you are going to get an opportunity to pick your meal for the day. So pick something that's going to hold you for the remainder of the day and also pick something that is um, just not like a snack food, like potato chips and cheese wisely. Exactly. Okay. What are some of the things that students are offered uh, in the way of clubs? And I know that uh, one high school, uh, Kennesaw Mountain High School in particular, I'm thinking of has a, uh, a character development type club going. Can you give us an idea of what things parents might want to tune into for their child's, uh, I guess you'd call it extracurricular yeah. uh, development? I think the, the, the biggest thing that a parent can do if they can work it into their schedule is to go to their school's preview day. So our parents do a great job with our younger students for elementary and middle school of getting over to the school and seeing their teachers right. during their preview day. Sneak a peek. Sneak and a peek and things that. like that. So they don't necessarily call it sneak a peek for high school. Like I said, a lot more freedoms. The students are wanting a little bit more, maybe a lot more space. But we do have a preview day that occurs at every one of our high schools. And this is an opportunity to come in and put money on that program that we were talking about for lunch. They can mm -hmm. go ahead and pay for that. Uh, they can go ahead and every school has set up either in their gymnasium or in their cafeteria an opportunity to see clubs and activities that are going on at the high school before school begins. Um, and this is a great uh, recruiting tool for the clubs and the activities sure. within the school. You'll have coaches that are there. You'll have directors that are there. You'll have students that are members of the club that are trying to invite um, new students or returning students into the club. I always say that the parents need to go as well to kind of prod a little bit so uh -huh. that their student isn't just kind of clumped over with their friends and having just social time catching up from uh, missing each other over the break. But really having an opportunity to say, hey, I know you're interested in theater, so maybe you want to look at the theater club. And sometimes they need that nudge. They right? do. You know, they feel they do. a little bit insecure, even in, in high school. You think mm -hmm. of middle school years as insecurity. High school is just as insecure as maybe they just know how to deal with it a little bit better. Right. And pushing them in the clubs is uh, not a bad thing for a parent to do. No, and there's administrators that are there. There are other teachers that are there that are there. But it's it's a little bit different if it's your child. You know, you know what they're interested in at home. Um, and we have a vast number of clubs at every school. Anything from, um, like I said earlier, there's theater, like thespian club. There are clubs where they're um, young physician society. If your student is looking at going into medicine. Really? Yeah. Oh. There's just a plethora of opportunities that... If you don't go with them, they're probably just going to be standing around the corner talking, but really getting out there and say, hey, did you think about maybe joining this group and just giving it a shot? And uh -huh. if they don't like it after a month or so or after the first club meeting, they can pull back. And a lot of these opportunities are free. It's uh -huh. not like they have to pay a lot of money to be able They may have to pay to you know get a T-shirt or something like that, a couple yeah. of bucks, but it's not going to be some astronomical number because we want our students to be well-rounded and be involved in a lot of opportunities. Well, and when we talk about clubs, we're thinking about uh, the students in particular, but we also have, I guess you could call it a club, the PTSA. Yeah, we do. For, for parents. Mm -hmm. Now, what role does the PTSA play 
at the high school level. I know at elementary level, they're a huge involvement. They're almost in the classrooms every day, but you can't do that in the, the high schools, right? No, you can't necessarily do that in high schools, but you do. I mean, there's still opportunities for um, parents and members of the PTSA to come to the school and work throughout the day. But the big thing is they help set up those preview days. Mm -hmm. They also help to, um, you know, they'll be doing their capital campaign at that time as well, getting parents and students and teachers to get involved in the organization. Mm -hmm. And then they'll take those dollars that they're uh, collecting or those names that they're collecting. And then they're turning those into service hours for the parents uh, for activities that are going on at the school. Uh, They're also turning those monies into scholarships. They're turning those monies into different opportunities for students to take advantage of um, activities like uh, um, SAT, ACT prep classes. It could be a, a litany of things that they could use those funds for that directly affect the students. And Maybe you're a parent that's working and you don't have an opportunity to come up and volunteer during the day, but um, you can attend those meetings and help have your voice to um, be a part of those decision making, you know, uh, plans that are going on for the school. Um, There's a lot of activities where a parent can get involved and PTSA is really a great place to start. All right. Well, Assistant Superintendent Christian Suttle, thank you so much for joining us in the podcast. Parents, you can learn more about your school by going to your school's website. And the best way to do that is to find it through the school district's homepage, www.cobk12.org, and click on the schools menu at the top. Be sure to save that as a favorite or a bookmark, because I pretty much can guarantee you're going to need that at some point through the year. It'll come in handy. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the Inside Scoop. You've been listening to The Inside Scoop, a podcast produced by the Cobb County School District.